Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Fed. Welcome to another edition of the Peristyle Podcast. I think I just blew out Chris Trevino's. Always happens. Ears there. Uh, my apologies for that. Uh, we're excited. Uh, we took last week off, I guess, and we're back uh, with another Peristyle Podcast episode with Chris Trevino. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Chris and Trevino and myself. We're also simulcasting this one live over on the YouTube. So hope you're watching there uh, live. You can put some questions, comments in the chat, or if you're watching on the replay, eh, you know, you're not gonna be able to chat with us, but that's okay. Well, we love it when you watch us live, you watch us uh, on the replay, you just listen to us on the regular podcast feed, all of that. We appreciate uh, all the listenership, all the interaction that you guys do with us. It makes us really enjoy doing the show. Uh, Even Chris, I think, enjoys doing the show. Uh, but we appreciate that. So thanks for being a part of it. And uh, we, the first comment we had on Twitter was, there will be USC football next month, which is true. Uh, August. Was it August 26th, Chris? Is that the first? The, I like it. I think yeah, this is 26th. is the first, first game, game of the season. Week zero. Yeah, we're in month seven, month eight. One month away. It's more than I one month away. I think it's like five, five Saturdays or something from there. Yeah, I think 45 days or so total. But we will have USC football next month, which is great. Um, so thanks for uh, uh, Tamale Tom for uh, pointing that out. He might be a cilantro boy. Might be a cilantro that. boy. I was just, I've just finished listening to the cilantro boy episode from last uh, week, Chris. Oh, so. yeah. Kind of a, a short one. A short one. At two hours, two and, hours 20 and 20 minutes. <laughs> a, a real breezer, if you will. Yeah. This one, we don't go that long. We're not talking about the recruiting. That's the one that Chris does with Ger- Gerard Martinez, the uh, composite two-star recruits. It's great. We love our show here, and we're going to be keep going, uh, make these keep going throughout the season, obviously, and as we're leading up to fall camp, a lot of stuff going on. We got uh, USC uh, will be represented for the last time at Pac-12 Media Day, so I'll be out there in Las Vegas for that with a couple uscfootball.com staffers. But uh, if you have any questions or comments for the show, po- podcast at uscfootball.com. That's the email address, just podcast. I think I said pod podcast. Podcast at uscfootball.com. You can also call or text us. At 424-254-9141. We got a voicemail for you uh, later today. And it's not Eddie and Orange who tweeted at us saying that, or I think he posted on the Peristyle, Chris, saying he needed to leave a voicemail. And uh, I don't think he did this week. So, Eddie, sorry, he's, mate. Uh, he's, the, the voicemails haven't been coming through on our podcast for him. So, I think he's... Uh, I think we did it when we did the live one. I played one of his or something. Right. Tried to. It was the same one twice, I think. Yes, yeah, um, he left I think he's freezing time. us out, um, um, but I don't know how to do voicemails, so this is like out of my control. I show you, I show you. This I'll is uh, this is Ryan's uh, shebang. Yeah, 
Uh, and if you have the Apple podcasting app, like on your iPad or your iPhone, wherever, if you wouldn't mind checking out the podcast, the Apple podcast application on your device and following the Peristyle podcast, leave us a five-star review and a uh, rating with comments is always appreciated. Um, don't think we have any new ones since the last show, but yeah, you can do that and that would be awesome. We would, we would absolutely love it. Also love Trader Joe's. Uh, our sponsor, longtime sponsor. So thank you to Traders for that. My father was in town, Chris. Oh. And uh, took him fishing. We went to the AVP down in Hermosa, which was cool. But uh, made dinner, had a couple friends over, a couple neighbors, and uh, went to Trader Joe's, picked up a, a bag of the red potatoes. I love the red potatoes. Um, I love making mashed potatoes with the red potatoes. So you get some butter, a little garlic, and uh, milk. And boom, you got great uh, mashed potatoes from there. They were very uh, big. But the I did the uh, rosemary steak tips, you know, those, the pre-marinated right on the grill. It was like eight minutes or something. Uh, everybody loved it. It was great. And I think I picked up some, it was like a macaroni salad uh, from Trader Joe's too. And I uh, put all that together. It was a great little Trader Joe's meal. So I had dad over and. Had a lot of fun with it. We just got a grill at my place for the fourth, so might have to go get some of those rosemary steak tips and just uh, throw those babies on. There's not much to it. Like, you just cook them. You know, they're already marinated, so. I think I can do that. Yeah, go check it out. And we had some bottles of wine from from Trader Joe's, so trying some different uh, brands and stuff from there. So thank you again uh, for Trader Joe's for the sponsorship. We really appreciate that. Okay, Um, what are we going to talk about today, Chris? So it's sort of like the doldrums, right? Like, there's people on vacation, coaches like kind of out of town, summer workouts. Like Riley fishing. Yeah, where was he fishing? Probably Mexico. Yeah. It's probably next to you on a boat. I know. You, I thought you and Gerard talked about that. Um, he didn't ask for my advice, but I I took uh, my friend's kids out fishing earlier today on a boat in Redondo. Um, that was a lot of fun. But I took my dad on uh, Saturday, I guess it was. We caught a whole bunch of stuff, caught a big uh, sand bass and some some reds and it was just a lot of fun and cooked it all up that night. That was great. Um, yeah, no, Lincoln Rally, if you need some help fishing, I'm around. Uh, you know, I can be your guide. But yeah, for sure, yeah, that's cool. Uh, I like that he's going. But there's kind of people bouncing around. It seems like it's going to, you know, there's not a lot of off time, for, especially for the coaches. So July is one of those months that you can sort of get. Because of the uh, dead period. So yeah, they don't have obligations for recruiting stuff and obviously they're just coming up a big recruiting week a month so you know they've earned some downtime it was a big recruiting month um usc we'll talk about this a bit usc up to number five in the uh national rankings um which is pretty cool for the class of 2024 so big push there we'll see if usc can maintain that and add some uh layers to the class but uh yeah we'll talk about that too but i would say just with the downtime I like the feature that you guys put together, and I voted on this too. Um, it's the most important Trojans. They gave me like last minute, uh, by the way. They just it takes 10 minutes. Uh, you know, it the, takes, you did it on the boat. I didn't do it on the boat. 35, 35 people. But who are the most important Trojans heading in to uh, 2023? So I thought we could kind of discuss that a little bit. It's being released. Uh, I think one a day. Are you doing it one a day, weekdays? Uh, it's, a, it's right now. It's about two a day. There's one in the morning. There's one in the later afternoons. Just because we want it, time it up for the start of fall camp, yeah, summer camp, whatever. 
Uh, we want to we want to line it up with that, so you know we don't go into camp and maybe someone gets hurt or somebody whatever the list gets all like screwed up or whatever. So we just want to get it done before camp is done, and then after camp we will do a revision. We'll take in every re- a reevaluation because we get things wrong. We don't know everything. We're we're very uh, uh, we acknowledge that you know. We make mistakes, especially when it comes to rankings. So this is just the rankings we did based on, you know, our opinions. And then we talk about it and then we're going to reevaluate after fall camp because a lot of these things will change. People will fall off. People will shoot up the list. People will be right where we expected them to be for this list. So, yeah, after fall camp, we'll do a reevaluation and a sort of an update. Uh, We won't do like 30 more uh, capsules about that. We'll just do one article (laughs) where we kind of just – reshape the list and kind of talk about why this person moved up or why this person moved down. Yeah, I love it. And uh, it's a great little feature over at USAFootball.com. Tons of content there, obviously. A lot this of is recruits. our fourth year. Fourth year doing, doing it? the top top uh, 30, top 35, because there's that first five out. But we started it because of COVID. Uh, it was like, we need content in the COVID year. And we said, uh-huh. let's just do this. Now it's, you know evolved into what it is now yeah it's, and i like the article too because it'll tell you like if a guy a veteran guy like where he was last year on the list maybe he wasn't on the list maybe mm-hmm. he's moved up um and uh, chris mentioned so what the the first article that came out was the first five out so just outside just outside the top 30 um the, the uscfootball.com staff we all voted on this and uh, we'll kind of go over that first and then we've got to you know, between 30 and 24, and 24 was released earlier today. So I thought we'd go over each of the players and kind of get some thoughts and stuff um, uh, on those guys. And one of the guys we're going to talk about in a little bit too. But uh, so the first five out were defensive back Jalen Smith, uh, incoming five-star tight end Deuce Robinson, uh, Solomon Tuyalapupu, uh, Eddie Teplitsky, the, the punter, and uh, Mason Murphy. The uh, the kind of versatile tackle that we saw start some games last year. Um, where did you like? Did you have any of these guys higher? Or I, did, yeah, I had some of these guys on my list personally. I had Deuce Robinson on my list, kind of like in that 28, 26 range, just because I think he's you know an impressive specimen, a guy that can change an offense, an offense that's already high powered. I had uh, Solomon, I think, was just in my first five out. So he's about where I had him. I just think he's primed for a big year. Uh, He had a really, really good spring camp. If you saw him in spring, you know he looks more like a defensive lineman than a linebacker playing D-line. He's put in a lot of work. He had a really good spring game. I think he's going to be part of that rotation. And I think he's hungry to make some more plays after, you know, getting his first taste of college football, you know, overcoming all those injuries. So I think he's primed to be a big contributor for this defense as part of that rotation and mason murphy i had within my top 30 just because i think usc is thin on offensive tackles and experience there at the offensive line and mason murphy you know we while he had his struggles there kind of at the end of the year and he kind of struggled to be consistent he was still valuable he still has uh, starting experience got five starts last year at right and left tackle so kind of in position to be a swing tackle for this team if they need it. And I think having a valuable kind of six guy off the bench, you can plug and play and has some reps to his name. You know, I think that's valuable, especially with this offensive line that doesn't have a ton of experience at offensive tackle. I think he's valuable. So I, you know, push for him to be, you know, higher, at least in the top 30, but 
first five, you know, I, I'm okay with compromising. I think I think he's definitely within that that top 35. And yeah, so I'm glad we were able to get him a little bit of shine uh, here. And we'll see where if he moves up, you know, after fall camp and see what what's going on with him. I had Deuce Robinson off the list because one, I mean, he's incoming freshman. It's not like he needs to come in and play right away. He could get drafted and play baseball. He might even play. So I didn't put him as an important cog in this machine, USC football machine. He's sort of a nice to have. He's like that walk in the back of your car. He's a luxury, not a necessity. He's more of a luxury. I don't think he's a necessity. So I wouldn't put him as in my most. I just shotgun asked me. He was like, hey, everyone has Deuce Robinson. And I said, nope, I I left him off on purpose. Um, Could play an important role, but I don't think he's right now heading into camp where we don't even know. And we're going to talk about the draft stuff. this was before you know, like the draft was going on. I, that was yeah, that, that's reason. fair. That's a question mark for him. It's like, is he even going to play? Look, yeah. Lincoln Riley's very confident. He's going to play. Deuce has said all along, I'm going to play both. But you never know. And we're going to talk about the, the MLB draft, which is going on literally right now. Maybe Ryan will get to dust off that uh, breaking news horn uh, yeah. because it's live right now. Um, so we'll, I'm keeping I'm monitoring that as we go through this uh, this next hour or so. But yeah, I think those are fair, fair assessments. But to be fair, I also had him in my top, my top thirty. I think yeah. he's going to be a special playmaker if he plays. You know, yeah, if if he plays, I, I just have to put that caveat in there. I just have to. That's why I don't have him. That, that's why I have to. We never know what's going to happen with professional. The other four guys, I had them all in my top thirty, but they were all like like Jalen Smith. I had thirty. Mason Murphy, I had twenty nine. Uh, Eddie Toplitsky, I had twenty eight. Like they're all there, and then Solomon Tulaipupu, I had twenty six. Um, I tried to get. I had offensive linemen pretty high just because you always got it. You need, you to have to, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't know what the results are going to be, but I'm assuming Caleb, Caleb Williams is going to be number one. Right. Um, <laughs> no spoilers, no spoilers. Basically anyone to protect him was up there. And uh, I didn't have, I had one like receiver in my top 10. Like it was just sort of like, because there's so many, you know, there's, I would say less important for each one of those guys, but they were important more in the middle but not as like super high. But Mason sort of kind of made it in there just because you need, you know, if any of those guys get hurt, he's probably going to be the first one coming in. Um, USC really suffered special teams last year. So bringing in an all Pac 12 punter, I don't know. I, I don't know why he wouldn't be in the top 30. I think you need your punter, um, you know, special teams, but like they were so bad on special teams last year. I think he's going to be. Uh, well, I got burned last year putting, I had two specialists in the top 30 with Dennis Lynch. And Aiden Sleep Dalton, I believe I had him in the top 30 because, you know, starting punter, starting kicker. But, you know, as you said, USC special teams were not all that great. I mean, they weren't abysmal, but they weren't great, especially towards the end. You know, Dennis Lynch was uh, had some ups and downs, you know, in his first years of starting, but he made some big kicks, mixed some bis- missed some kicks as well. You know, needs more consistency this season. Yeah. And Aiden Sleep Dalton in that punt game was, you know, same same thing, not as consistent. It was pretty bad. Ryan, harsher than I am, but, yeah. you know, and Eddie uh, Chaplitsky is a very, very good punter. And like, I think it's fair that he's in the top 35, but I just wasn't going to put a specialist in my top 30 unless it was like, you know, an All-American, which Eddie does have the potential to be an All-American yeah. this year. He's all-conference. Flip yeah. the field. Like I think it can be a really important aspect of it because I think it's one of those things, too, when – this offense just rolls, right? Like it just, you know, it steamrolls you. I was watching some like Wimbledon this morning and I forget who uh, Djokovic was playing, but the dude, like he'd never got a serve broken until 
Joker broke it like in the fourth set and then they, you know, the losing or whatever. But he was, it was like the serve was on and we were rolling until it wasn't. And then it's sort of like, okay, you're, you didn't get the ace. You didn't like, you know, get a terrible return and you can, now you got to do your ground strokes. And I feel like that's where the USC offense is. It's like, if the offense, the offense is so good, but if they don't, if they just stumble, then it kind of, it kills your momentum even more when you're, it's a 30 yard, two yard punt. You know, I feel like if you know that you can, you, I think there's more pressure on the offense when, you know, we better score because we're not going to give very good field position to this kind of questionable defense. I think having a really good punter gives you a little, you know, just a little extra confidence that, you know what, even if this third and eight doesn't get converted, like he's going to flip the field and we're going to be fine. So I don't I, I, I think it would be an important part of it, but that's just where I put it. No, I mean, that that's fair. There's going to be games like Oregon State where you can't move the ball and you yeah. need a guy like Eddie Chaplitsky to help you out and get you out of some tough jams and put your defense in better position than, you know, you know, not getting it over the 50-yard line. So I think they upgraded in a major way. Um, and I think he's fine right there at top 35. Again, we're going to reevaluate and we'll see what it looks like after fall camp. But as of right now, I think that's a fair spot for him. Yeah. Number 30. We Did, got... Does anyone have any comments, though? Or, oh. or talking about this first five. Any any reaction to what we're we talking about? We got some questions. So I'm starting. So if you were watching us live on our YouTube and you're in the chat, thank you so much for that. Oh, do we got a lot of people there? Um, let's see. We got over 100 people in there. That's nice. Um, let us know what you uh, want us to talk about. If you have a question, I've starred them in there. And so we can get back to them later in the show. Uh, but I don't see any like comments on the um, five on the, uh, on the, the first five out or anything like that. So, okay. but if you have any comments on any of these, just put them in there and we'll uh, try to address them as we go. But like I was saying, uh, number 30, we have a uh, linebacker, the Alabama transfer Shane Lee thoughts on that. Chris, I don't, I had him, uh, let's see. I had him like 19. I had him higher. Okay. Where, I had him. Have? I don't, I don't have my list up in front of me, oh, okay. uh, but I had him, I think I had him around here, like 25 to 28, somewhere around there, you know, and it's, we're starting off in a interesting way with Shane Lee, because if you look at last year's list, Shane Lee was ranked number four on our top 30 most important. And I think that kind of speaks to a couple things. One being how much more depth and talent USC has brought in over the off season at that linebacker position. You get Mason Cobb out of Oklahoma state, who's, you know, a veteran former starter, you know, he's got experience. You have Eric Gentry coming back. Obviously he was a starter last season. You have, you signed Tackett Curtis, a blue chip freshman prospect who everyone is going crazy over. You have Rajon Davis who, Showed some things there at the end of the Cotton Bowl, getting some some playing time. And, you know, you're much deeper in that room. But on the other hand, Shane Lee is still an important piece just from a leadership uh, role. And a he was a team captain last year. And his impact off the field is immeasurable. You can't, you know, measure that. It's not about the stat sheet in that sense. You know, he was the guy Lincoln Riley put a lot of the trust into to help foster this culture and him coming back is a big thing and is a helpful thing for this defense but when it comes to the field you know there's a chance that Shane Lee is not going to be a starter for this defense in 2023 you know we talk about them upgrading a bunch of positions on the field and linebacker is one of those rooms 
Shanley does have his limitations. You know, he he did fill up the stat sheet. You know, he played through some injuries, had a broken hand, still managed to start 12 games last season. So play tough. You know, there were some some moments, just like everyone on that defense, where they didn't have their best moments. So Shane Lee, you know, has his limitations, but I think he there's still a lot of value with Shane Lee just as a leader. And, yeah. you know, even if he's not a starter, I think they'll they'll still rotate him in, kind of like that three man rotation they had to, uh, last year with Raylan Goforth and Gentry and Lee. But there's more talent in that room. And I think there's a chance that we don't see a lot of Shane Lee on the field in 2023. But I still think he's valuable because he is so experienced and what he brings as a leader uh, on the field and on, off the field. So I think I, I'm showing a lot of respect just to put him in the top 30 as a returning team captain and a guy who is uh, invaluable in that locker room. Yeah, I kind of feel like he's going to keep stay captain. Like I don't do pe- do usually use, lose that. Like usually if you're a returning captain, like you kind of keep being captain. I don't know. Like I guess that could change, but you know, Harry in the chat said Shane Lee loses his starting spot to Mason Cobb, which is a, you know, that's possibility. Very- uh, Roger talked about maybe only playing on rundowns, um, you know, and he, but he also says he's a, a good leader with a big heart, which he is. That's why I kind of had him higher up at like uh, 19. I think he's going to play. I don't think he's I think they needed him to be an every down linebacker right. last year, which I don't think they're going to need as much this year. Right. There's just more talent, more depth. And you're right. Last year, they needed him. They didn't have impact players. They didn't yeah. have, you know, and a guy coming from Alabama who played on a national championship team uh, was a starter for them at one point, kind of regulated the backup role. That could be the path he follows this year. You know, he came back knowing that there was a chance he wasn't going to be a starter next year. And I think that says a lot about him because he wanted to help finish what he started building with this Lincoln Riley team and this Lincoln Riley culture. It's Lincoln Riley program, not team program. So I think that says a lot about him and his character and his, you know, love for what he started here and he wants to see it through and, you know, go out with another ring and try to get try to get over that hump of last year and how that ended. So I think that says a lot about him. And, you know, I think he deserves to be on the top 30 because of what he brings as a leader. Harry says Slovis wasn't a captain two years in a row. He wasn't. Was he a captain at all? I don't think he was. Right. Like he's he. The year that he went into as the clear starter, because the first year... 2020? Yeah, the first year he took over. So he wasn't going to be a captain when he was the backup. And then the next year, there was a lot of exciting... I mean, there was a lot of excitement around him. He was the starter. The other guys transferred Wasn't that out. the year that uh, Griffiths, Griffiths was a captain? He might have been. But I and think but not that, Keaton. Was, that was probably one of the, the knocks on Keaton Slovis was... That he wasn't voted on as a captain by his peers, right? Like that was one of the things. Like, oh, but I don't think it was Harry. I don't think it was he had the captainship and lost it. I don't think he ever was a captain, if I'm not mistaken. Um, do you remember that, Chris? Yeah, I remember that because I, I remember the controversy of it because Ben Griffiths was a captain. And you're like, yeah. punter? It was last time a punter and not the QB was a captain. So yeah, I remember that being like a a thing people were talking about, but I don't I don't think he ever held a captain role. I don't he think he did. Might well, I'm gonna look it. Look it up, but maybe th- in maybe in 2020. So I would say, you know, for Harry, for this is like it would more like if he was named like you know captain as a sophomore, but then wasn't as a junior, that would be like a little concerning, you know. But I don't think just the way Slovis's career no, worked. No, he's out. right. Keaton was a, a captain in 2020. Keaton Slovis, Amara St. Brown, Isaiah Polamau, and, and then Elijah in 2021, Tucker, he wasn't. He wasn't. 
Wow, I don't even remember him being a captain. It makes sense that he was a captain. And, and next year was Drake London, Bobby Malapai, Isaiah Polamau, Polamau, and then Ben Griffith. So, yeah, that was the thing. He didn't get the captainship. Okay, so that's, that's a good point. Uh, and he's the start, this was the starting quarterback. Because it makes sense because the 2019 obviously blew up and everyone's like, Keaton yeah, 2019 or he blew up. Okay, then he got it in 2020. But it was that, so 2020 was also the COVID stuff. So it was a little weird that season too. So maybe not complete apples to apples. But yeah, I forgot that he was a captain that year. I didn't think he made it. But uh, but the fact that he wasn't, that is that would be a little concerning. So, But, but I also think, with Shane... Not to say Keaton isn't a leader. He's more. You could say it. He, he's not you as. Uh, he's not as vocal. Cristovino says uh, Keaton Slovis is not a leader. Is he's not. He's said? not as vocal as Shane Lee is. Shane Lee is a guy like immediately stepped on the campus and they're like, okay, this guy's a leader. Right. This guy is like built for this, and everyone looked up to him, even when he was there for just a couple of months. So I think that's the the main difference between right. uh, Shane Lee and Keaton Slovis. Yeah, that, that's true, and. uh and Ben Griffiths was like, you know, he's 30 years old and he's in there kind of leading everybody. He was older than that. He was like 32 <laughs> or something. Uh, Shout out no, to Ben Griffiths, though. I love Ben Griffiths. Yeah. Number 29, um, we have Zion Branch. Zach Branch. I'm sorry. Did I put – oh, it is Zach Branch. Why Zach I put, Branch. I put the wrong thing. Zach Branch. You know, you very easily could have both branches on there. Um, I actually had Zion Branch there initially. I think he's just outside the top 35, but that's a different story. Uh, Zach Brands, yeah. I mean, everyone is just like Tack Curtis. Everyone is super excited about Zach Branch, and it's really hard for a freshman to crack the top 30 for this list. And Zach Branch, that's the kind of player he is. I know USC's deep at wide receiver, but Zach Branch is like a different beast. He's the number one rated wide receiver. Legitimate, like borderline kind of Olympic track speeds at 10-3. You know, he is super fast. He's going to have an impact as a wide receiver already, you know, uh, pegging him for that rotation, even if they are really stacked with veterans because he's just built like that. And obviously his ability to be an absolute game changer on special teams, that's punt returner and kick returner. That also like helps him get over the hump and into the top 30. But a lot of expectations on Zach Brantz as a freshman. But, you know, he's the type of player that can not only live up to those, but, you know, best those as well as a first year player. Yeah, I had him at 31, so just, you know, just on the outside. But because, because you know, you don't – he could be an um, amazing player for USC this year, just like Deuce Robinson. But I don't think he's as important as a bunch of other guys because you have a whole bunch of receivers that are already proven. Ryan, um, not on five stars. Like two five stars. I'm not he's a, like uh, – he's like, no. I'm like, what – you got to win now, you know? So, like, if you're – I don't think you're relying on freshmen. And you didn't really – last year, what, who was – Rayleigh Brown was the only one that you kind of, like, we had in there for freshmen? He was in the first five out. He was – but he was, like, the highest. Like, he was yeah. the highest one. But, but yes, I, I see what you're saying. But, like, those guys are guys that – think about what USC's offense was last year. Yeah. Amazing with a Heisman winner. These are guys that can take it to the next level. True. With Zach and his speed – and then Deuce with his, you know, freak athlete, six foot six body guy, two guys they did not have on the roster last year. That are something different for the offense. Yeah, that's my way of looking at it. Got it. Okay, let's go to number twenty eight. We have Max Williams. 
Safety, uh, defensive back, whatever you yeah. want to call him. I, I haven't listed as a defensive back. Uh, yeah, I mean. I had him at 24, so in the same range, a little exact same spot he had uh, last year. He did. He was, uh, was that last he was year. Last year, yeah. Last year's number 24. A little bit of a drop, obviously. Kind of the same boat, similar to Shane Lee in that, you know, there's more competition in that safety room. You know, they brought on a, Ch- a Traquan Fagans uh, from Alabama. Uh, you're getting Zion Branch back, a guy who probably would have played last year as a freshman if not for a knee injury. Jalen Smith is back healthy. And I don't really know where Max is going to line up. Is he going to go back to nickel? If you recall, they moved him to free safety at the end of fall camp because it just didn't seem like they were confident in any free safety they had playing alongside Kalen Bullock. So they just moved one of their best pure safeties to that position to play alongside Kalen. So that's what ended up happening. Ended up leading the team in tackles. You know, a big comeback year after missing 20 uh, last season with that knee injury. And, you know, you know, Max has a lot of heart, big worth ethic, work ethic. You know, we saw it firsthand, firsthand, Ryan, when he was the guy working out every day, rehabbing that knee injury during practice. He he was putting in all the extra work to come back early and he does have his limitations. He's not the biggest safety in the world, just five foot eight. He's not the fastest. He's not the strongest, but he's got an incredible football IQ. And I think he was put in some bad positions last year. You know, he really struggled against those bigger tight ends. But again, you know, maybe change something up so you don't have your five foot eight safety on a eventual first round <laughs> tight end. Maybe, maybe do something a little bit different there. So I don't think yes. all those uh, issues that he had were all on him. I still think he's a very instinctual player and a tough player and high character player and again possibly not going to start this year but i still would expect him to get a lot of playing time in that rotation you know certain packages what have you and he could end up going back to being a nickel starter if not free safety seemed like bryson shaw had a little bit of a uh, head start on that free safety spot in spring camp again we'll have a clearer picture in the fall but again max williams still super experienced you know 18 starts in his career he can help this defense and you know, high football IQ, and you always need kind of those guys in your locker room and on the field for you. Roger says he's a dog going to have playing time. And I agree. And we did watch him rehabbing, and it was pretty impressive, the the amount of work he was doing when we get to watch practice. And, you know, he had to do a lot of work outside of practice. I think one of the good things, if you are, um, you know, you're following USC and you want the defense to be better, there's going to be positions where there's guys that, probably probably were like contributor level that were like do everything level like they were forced into that where like a Shane Lee is an every down guy or Max you know Max Williams and these guys are you know good leaders and hard workers and I think they can contribute and if you have a good coaching staff and I think this is going to be up to Alex Grinch and his staff figuring out the best spots for where these guys can play because they can play they can get guys fired up but you're not leaving them on the field every down. There's going to be, it's more situational. And so you're going to rely on the coaches to kind of figure what those out. But I think these guys are definitely contributors to the defense, but there's probably someone else that does something else a little bit better. And they can, you know, they won't have to play all the time. Like you mentioned being in the rotation. So I like them in there. Um, you know, you're, you're going to see guys that you haven't seen before. Like I think, a, um, you know, Zach Branch or uh, I mean, Zion Branch, um, you know, in the secondary, got to mix them up. I'm, I'm excited for you to mix them up for the rest of their careers. Yes, should be great. Uh, 
there's going to be guys that are going to play. And I feel like the good thing if you're you know USC fan, following the team, a whole bunch of guys that are back are like going from starters to like contributors, you know? That's because there's other players coming in uh, that are better at certain things. And you still have those guys, but you also have other guys too. And there's going to be more options and just more overall talent, I would say. If you agree, Chris. No, I agree. Uh, right behind, uh, well, I guess a little ahead of uh, Max Williams, and you mentioned him, uh, Bryson Shaw, the Ohio State transfer, coming in at uh, number 27. He had an interesting year, obviously, because I think there were a lot of expectations on him just being part of a really good defense last year with Ohio State. But he suffered a injury uh, in fall camp that really set him back, and he missed a lot of time. So I think he he obviously got off to a slow start, getting back to 100%, and then kind of getting the defense down. And it wasn't until kind of the middle of the season, late, late back third, that he really started to get more playing time, and they ended up getting a couple starts uh, under his belt. And then really by the end, he was he was part of that, uh, uh, really part of that defensive rotation and, and kind of one of the top safeties for them. So obviously Grinch has a lot of trust in him, uh, and this is going to be a guy who I think is going to have a shot to be a starter. Based on spring camp, it looked like he kind of had the – early lead for that free safety position alongside Kalen Bullock uh, in the back half of the secondary. So we'll have to see if that holds up with spring camp. But Bryson Shaw, now that he's healthy, seems like he's on track to be a starter in 2023. And again, we have to competitive room. Zion Branch coming. Trey Con Fagan's coming. We have to see if he can hold on to that. Max Williams is there. We have to see if he can kind of see how that safety room shakes out by the end of it. Yeah, this was one, uh, two guys that Shotgun emailed me about or messaged me or whatever about that I left them off my list. Um, uh, Deuce Robinson I left off on purpose. Price of Shaw it was an accident. I, I just forgot to, to put him in there. But I would have him somewhere in this range. Man of you to too. admit that. I did, yeah. That's, you know, completely, like, there's sometimes you just forget a guy, right? Like, you're like, oh, crap, I didn't put to him. To be fair, I forgot Dorian Singer on my initial list. I made my well, list, like, three okay, weeks, and then I would come back every week to 10. look at it. Yeah, I forgot Dorian Singer. Apologies. But, yeah, I, I corrected it and made sure I got everyone that I needed to be on there on there. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, he's got a good shot to be a starter. Um, he's someone that will just throw his body around. Uh, you know, he comes in, he looks like – He's got beat up sometimes after his plan. So I feel like, yeah, he could be, potentially could be even a little higher in this, especially if he's going to be like a full-time starter. Um, we'll see. We'll see what that rotation kind of looks like. But he's got to be in there. Uh, certainly he's got to be in there on the list. Um, number 26, uh, we got another Williams. Uh, this is Mario Williams, uh, wide receiver. And uh, yeah, transferred in with Caleb Williams. Kind of thought that they might be, you know, this kind of inseparable pair. Uh, and he, he had some huge moments. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Do you think this is too low for him? What, what do you think about Mario? Williams? I think there's an argument for him to be higher. I also think there's an argument, you know, that maybe he's like right at 30 or maybe the first five out because he did have a, you know, a good year. He better than he was a freshman. He did have some drop issues. I know that was, you know, a big thing with the fans. He had being cut down on some drops and 
He did have uh, one of the bigger bigger uh, special team snafus at the end of the year that really put USC in a bad position in that Cotton Bowl game. So, yeah, I think that Mario Williams can only get better. You know, this could be his quote-unquote breakout year. He could be in contention for a 1,000-yard season, uh, especially if he, you know, uh, shores up some of those drop issues that he had that he had last season. But he's going to be in rotation. And I know Zach Branch is there. I know maybe you put down his value a little bit because him and Zach Branch are kind of similar and kind of, you know, smaller slot inside guys. And Zach Branch is, you know, more explosive in that sense. But Mario has a Caleb Williams trust. And I think that's super important when you look at the veterans on this team. And as of right now, you know, he's going to go into the season as a starter, assuming, you know, whatever happens in fall camp, Mario Williams is going to be one of the, you know, top five receivers on this team. It is a deep receiver room. So that drops him a little bit or kind of stunts his, uh, his ceiling on this list. Sure. Just because, you know, he's not six foot six or he doesn't run, you know, like a four three or a 10 three like Zach Branch. There's some things that, uh, limit him there. And you might, maybe his special teams role will decrease a little bit with Zach Branch, uh, on the team now. So, I still think he deserves to be in the top 30 because he is a dynamic weapon and he could be a thousand yard receiver this year. He could have a breakout season. So those are the things I'm kind of looking at with Mario Williams. But I think where he's at is a a good starting starting point for him. And obviously you can move up maybe as a bonkers fall camp and we have to like, hey, we got to evaluate. This guy's got to be in the top 20 or maybe, you know, Zach Branch emerges in that position. And maybe you got to drop Mario a little bit down. We don't know. We'll see in the fall. Yeah, I had him at 21, so I had him a little higher just because okay. he's, he's more of a proven commodity for me. Um, he does have Caleb Williams trust. Um, I feel like he can be, you know, the guy. Uh, my guess is Singer's going to be like the number one dude. He'll take over like sort of the Addison role or whatever. But I, f- I feel like Williams can be up there. I, you know, I love what Brendan Rice was doing at the end of the season. It's probably going to be spread around. So I think I had more guys in like the teens. And like early twenties for receivers, but you no know, Mario Williams was in there, and I thought, yeah, I, I think he's good. I think he's going to play an important role. Um, so I had him up to twenty one. Um, I could see even a little higher, you know. But I, I understand if you want to like, you know, if you're sort of projecting that he's not going to be that guy. But I, I, it's hard for me to not see him being one of the top two or three receivers from this rotation. So. That's kind of why he just I had needs him to get there. better with the drops. You know, he's more consistent in that sense. You know, he's going to have a really good year. You know, flirt with a thousand yards, potentially be off to the NFL draft next year. So I think this is kind of like a money year for him. So I think I think we're going to see a little bit better Mario Williams going to 2023. Yeah. Uh, let's go number 25. Okay. Uh, we got Damondi Jackson. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cornerback. This Talked is, a lot about is, the injury stuff coming, you know, yeah. after, in the spring. I think um, this is uh, interesting pick because Damani has the potential to be you know a top 15 player on this list but he also has the potential to not be on this list because you know he has to overcome the injuries but his talent is so clear there's like he has the highest potential of any cornerback on this roster point blank with that speed with that size with that strength with that athleticism it's just that's a number one quarterback. That's like an NFL cornerback you're looking at when you walk him, watch him come out on practice. But obviously, he needs to be developed. 
But the first part is, you know, staying on the field. You know, injuries have been a early uh, marker of his USC career. You know, he's had some injuries, had to work through some things, got a little playing time as a freshman, got some experience, which is good. He'll be in, in contention for a starting job this year. It's a very deep cornerback room, deeper than last year. You have Sierra Wright, Jacoby Covington, excuse me, who are both had really, really good spring camps. And then Christian Rolla Wallace, who did, we did not get to see at all really in spring because he had an injury, but has started for like nine billion years at Arizona. Just super experienced. So Damani, young guy in that room, but the most talented by far of any of those guys. So we'll just see if he puts it all together, you know, going to his sophomore year, the sophomore fall camp, he has the potential to win a starting job out of fall camp, but he has to win it. Obviously, he has to put it all together, stay on the field, be healthy. I think even if he doesn't, I think he's still going to be a rotation. I think they're going to rotate those spots a lot uh, with Covington, Sierra, Roland Wallace, and get Damani some playing time. I think they're going to be rotating that. Uh, but in the end, you know, you want to just see, even if he doesn't start, you just want to see Damani take strides into, you know, developing into that star that everyone knows he has the potential to be with his his physical gifts. So. You just want to see him overcome kind of those that injury bug that hit him last year and just kind of play more games. Uh, maybe maybe get a start under his name. You know, something like that. I don't, I don't want to put the expectation on him to start this season, but he the projection is he's going to play a lot more than he did as a freshman. Just got to be healthy. I had him uh, way up at 18. Oh, okay. You want to talk about that? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just, in my mind, after like hearing him in the spring and sort of like the journey back and watching him and just seeing the potential that you saw as a, you know, blue chip prospect when he was coming out of modern day, I'm projecting him to start. And I, I like Christian Roller Wallace a lot. And uh, I had him more in the, the higher twenties easily Christian Roller, Roller Wallace could start, you know, but there's just something that was in, in my mind that it's going to be that Damani Jackson's going to, be one of those starters out there, play a lot. And uh, that's why I kind of had him as, as high as I did. One of those situations where just, you have, I mean, he was around and wasn't, you know, obviously couldn't play, um, but he can now. And I just, my gut is he's going to play a big role. We'll see. Um, he just looked, there's just some, there's a different look about him when I see him. It's just like, yeah, that guy seems to have it. Like he has what you need to be successful at this level. So that's sort of my own personal projection. Um, look, you we'll look see. at you look at Demonte Jackson, and it's like first round pick. That that's the first thing that comes to your mind when you watch him out there. And yeah, you, and then you hear he runs a ten, like four, like yeah, all day. But again, has to put it all together, and he absolutely has the chance to start this year. And I don't know what to do with Christian Roland Wallace with this list. I had no idea where to put him. I didn't know where to put Sierra Wright or Jacoby Covington. Low key, it's hard, yeah. cornerback cornerback is like the most exciting uh, position battle that's going to fall camp. Like we we really know who's going to be the starters on D line. You know, you could argue about edge rusher too. Safety will be interesting, but straight up cornerback is like the is prepared to be the most fierce competition uh, in fall. You're going to have like two game. really talented guys like sitting. Yeah, on the bench. your backup. Yeah, so that's going to be a, a fun competition for fall. And again, we'll have a much clearer picture as we get into fall camp, and we'll see where he is on this list when we revise it. But I think you're you're right about the rotation. That it, you know, if you bring in a Christian Roller Wall, it's like you can't just have him sit in the bench. You know, I think they'll right. probably do. And you know, you're feeling it out. Like who's the field guy? Who's the the boundary, boundary guy? guy? Like who's? I mean, there there's going to be some difference. You might have one guy that's oh he's you know whatever like. 
Damani's your field corner, and he's just just leave him out there. And some of the other guys rotate different spots. I don't know. Well, it'll be interesting to see. But I think low key, like you said, uh, a great one. Uh, we got one more. Uh, just technically this. two more because twenty three just dropped. But I don't know if you want to talk about. Oh, that. <laughs> we could do that too. I didn't see that. Okay, uh, I'll just dropped. At- just dropped. Breaking news. Just dropped. Hold on. Do we have? Uh- yeah. All right. Before we get to that, number twenty three, we got former five star running back. He's played a little slot. Uh, Raylick Brown. Yeah. Speaking of modern day to modern day, that's Raylick Brown. He came the closest to making the list last season. Was in the first five out. We figured that he was going to have impact as a freshman, and he did. You know, six scores as a freshman, which is pretty good. Uh, three receiving, three running the ball. He did, you know, have a memorable Heisman pose uh, in his freshman year after that, his first career touchdown. So all around, Relique Brown had a very uh, impactful year. Could have been better, though, because he did suffer that ankle injury early in the year, and it really kind of sapped his explosiveness, really sapped his touches in the middle of the year. Ended on a high note, you know, he was the most effective running back in that uh, Cotton Bowl loss. I think he had around 80 five total yards receiving and rushing and a score. So, you know, he he went into the offseason kind of on a good note with that performance. You know, really Brown isn't considered to be in that kind of starting running back conversation with Austin Jones and Mar- Marshawn Lloyd. He's still a young guy, but he's just so unique in that running back room because he literally can play wide receiver, which he did in the spring, learned slot receiver, spent a lot of this offseason learning the wide receiver skill set in this offense. So his versatility has just, you know, gone through the roof. And even Lincoln Riley said, you know, we're not really sure how we're going to use him, but we can do a lot of fun things with him. So I, you know, Lincoln Riley's just looking at really Brown like, yeah, this is like a chess piece. I can just move all over the field and do a lot of cool things with. So I think we're going to obviously see a lot more um, uh, potential and usage out of him for this offense. And he talked about how his understanding of the offense has just, taken a, a step forward and you know instead of going out there and doing like one to two things that he knows how to do in this offense the playbook is really opened up for Relique Brown so I think that's where why, why we're going to see a lot more uh number 14 in the end zone uh this season I agree with you there I had him at 25 so right in the same yeah. um same I think range. I had him in that range too yeah so it's uh like everything that Chris said I love that they're going to, you know, potentially expand his role, get the guy in space. He's got to be healthy because, you know, there was some of the stuff that he's, he just did some things last year. I think one of the ones like in the Cotton Bowl was that that like sidestep thing or whatever you like. I forget. We went towards the sideline and turned it up. Uh, but there was some stuff where he was running side to side instead of like straight ahead and losing. Got to go north to south. I mean, that's a that. common thing as a freshman running back, because in high school you can just go east, west and, you know, beat everyone to the edge and turn it up. But. In college football, they're as fast as you. They can take better angles than a, than you know a high school kid in in the in that that level. So he's got to learn to just turn it up, feel more instead of trying to go sideline to sideline, as you yeah. said. So love to see him out there. I think there's he's someone with a lot of upside um, that could go. You know, it could be more important later. Like you could say, wow, that guy was really important. Sort of later on. So um, that'll be. Kind of interesting to see, I guess, going forward. But yeah, I like I like where he's at there. But like you said, it could be could get moved up a little bit, um, you know, depending on how they use him and stuff like that. And the the breaking one we talked about, uh, number twenty three. I, I just let me put this picture in here. I got to readjust it for you. 
So breaking, he wasn't ready for it. He had no picture. I wasn't ready. Yeah, I, wasn't I had ready. to like add it. Let's do this <laughs> stuff on the fly. Host the show, produce the show, you know, control all the stuff. Uh, Miller Moss, um, what we project to be the backup quarterback. Uh, I didn't, I had Miller Moss like as my first five out. Like I wanted to be on the list, but to me, it's like if Caleb Williams, is, he's so important that if Caleb Williams isn't in there, I don't know how important anything else is, but. I think it um, doesn't matter. I'm basically, yeah, like it's great. Like obviously, if Miller Moss comes in and kills it, um, you know that's I mean, amazing. I still think USC's offense would be pretty good with Miller Moss sure. in there. You know, it might not be elite with a Heisman winner. Obviously, the drop off from a Heisman winner to any backup backup is uh, a thing. You know, we we it's just think you don't have another Heisman winner waiting as a backup. So. There will be a drop off, but I still think USC's offense would be pretty good. Maybe not get to the college football playoff good, but I think enough to win like a Pac-12 championship. Oh, okay. So that I mean, for me, it's more about like this is the Caleb Williams show, and if any if that's not happening, I just would say all bets are off. But um, so if you're saying the understudy is in for the the play, you're not going to go see the play. This is the play. Like you have. This is the season, your last season in the Pac-12. Um, this is like the 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 New York Times critic is in the audience. Like you want to make sure the understudy is not in this play, you know. So I I kind of struggle with it a little bit because I like Miller Moss. I think he can be very effective. I think I agree with you. He could you know win enough games um, depending on when you know Caleb Williams goes out and get USC to a Pac-12 championship. You know, I mean that's. Uh, that's great, you know, but for me, this season's all about like, you got to put it all together, get the defense better, get Caleb Williams, you know, making a run at another Heisman. Um, he's the number one and there's no, like no one near him as far as like the entire team. So that's why I'm not putting his back up very high. Cause it's just, he is the most important cog in this machine. That was sort of my thinking going into no, it. That, that's fair. I mean, I think backup quarterback is a very, polarizing position in general when you make a list like this because how much do you value the backup i i think miller moss is really valuable because he's, he's been super in the, valuable yeah. been in the, the system this will be a second year of system he is a former you know blue chip prospect he is talented you know we hope that he can get a little bit more time this year to kind of get some garbage time because as we know the defense wasn't doing him favors and getting him in but <laughs> you know you hope he can get some more experience but all in all i think he deserves a spot in the top 30 just because he can still put up points with this offense and the players around him and the system that is made to be very quarterback friendly. So I still think he could do really, really well. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, that's who we got so far. So we've gone through 23. So we got 22 more guys left. Um, I hope you guys can uh, keep checking that out over at uscfootball.com and hope you liked our discussion of that. Um, we also we mentioned uh, Deuce Robinson in there. Um, I'm not super familiar with the baseball draft. Is this uh, so? We're in the eighth round now, and he's not been selected. Of my, we are there? actually in the tenth round because okay. the baseball draft moves like that. You have like a minute between picks to go, so it goes quickly because there's like so many rounds. So yes, as of the tenth round, we're about halfway through the tenth round. He has not been picked, okay. and that is obviously. Good news for USC fans who want to see him like locked in, confirmed to be playing next season. If he had gone, you know, in those top 
three rounds, four rounds, you know, that would have been a real discussion had. But now I, I was talking to Shotgun about it and he says, you know, if he doesn't get through the first 10 rounds, so after today, after the 10th round, they're going to stop and then tomorrow's going to be 11 through 20. So if he's not picked within these top, you know, 10 rounds, you think he thinks there's a very good chance, you know, he will be playing for USC and potentially even playing for USC baseball because if the signing isn't good enough for him, he may want to just, you know, play baseball at USC and then uh, wait to get signed the next time he goes to the draft after whatever his junior year, senior year. But the the payout right now for the slot for the 10th round is about 160000 That's kind of the money you're looking at for a 10th round pick. So obviously, as you go further and further down, the money gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Obviously, there could be more money to throw at a prospect if one of their top three round picks didn't sign and they have that money to roll over. So we'll have to see. But it's looking more and more likely that, you know, USC is going to have Deuce Robinson on the roster because I don't think there's going to be like money involved where they would be like, hey, just yeah, you're not going to play college football. You're going to focus, focus on baseball, focus all on that. So. The way Shotgun was explaining it before, it was like you could still go a little bit later in the draft and get a bigger, you know, a bigger check. It just they they have like a way to distribute it. But if, from what it sounds like, if he's not in the tenth, then it's just it's probably not going to be. Yeah, it's probably not going to be enough to make him give up uh, USC football. So again, we have about I don't know twenty picks left in the tenth round before we're done for the day. So we'll see if he if he comes off the board here in the next. Uh, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. Yeah. All right. Um, we talked about some of the, you know, USC players doing some activities. Um, you know, I think it was like a month ago, they had the House of Victory um, quarterback U event. And so you had like Miller Moss, who we mentioned, and Caleb Williams and Malachi Nelson. And those guys were all there uh, at the event. They're going to have a big guy one on Friday. So some of the big guys are going to be uh, taking part in that. That's another one down in Newport Beach. Uh, go over to House of Victory if you want to get information on uh, checking that out. But we, there was like a Dodger day at the uh, at uh, Chavez Ravine. Yeah, Dodger Save. So I got, you know, Caleb Williams in there, Jonah Monheim, a bunch of guys, Justin Dietrich. Um, so I got the picture up there. It looks like a bunch of offensive linemen, Gino Quinones and Caleb. So sort of like the Heisman thing, right, where you bring uh, bring a whole bunch of offensive linemen there. I noticed there was no Mason Murphy, which I found interesting. He seems like he would like that kind of stuff, right? Maybe he had something to do. Maybe he had a dentist appointment. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but it was cool um, to see Caleb Williams over there. The offensive lineman, too. Josh Henson tweeted this one out. Uh, they were down in PV. I don't know if this is um, Lincoln Riley's house or if it's... Nah, that looks like Josh Henson's house. It might be Josh Henson's house. Okay. But it's it's pretty nice. Like, all the big guys in the pool. Look at, the, look at those freshmen on the far right looking at that photo. Micah Benuelo sitting down there on the far right. Okay. Uh, Alani Noah there in the black t-shirt at the end. And then uh, Amos Talele. Look how big they are. Look, Especially Noah. These freshmen look big. And then even Tobias Raymond in the middle, who's over 300 pounds now. These four freshman guys that they've added in the summer are looking pretty big already. So I know Benny Wiley is excited to further shape these guys into Big Ten offensive linemen, but they're looking uh, pretty beefy here early in the uh, just before fall camp. Yeah, you guys were talking about them, the composite two-star recruits, I think. That's just the uh, the number of dudes they brought in 
Henson's brought in. It's crazy transfers and um, yeah. And there, this is, I think when one of the things when we talked about um, Lincoln Riley sort of like coming in and needing to fix stuff, like you look at the offensive line room and there was starters and then there was a bunch of dudes that just weren't like, they weren't dudes. They were just guys. They were just bodies on the roster. And so kind of cycle some of those guys out. You bring in some transfers. You bring in a, a good recruiting class. Um, and then you do the same thing again next year. So now they're like building some kind of pipeline on the offensive line where they didn't really have that before. They basically were just like, hey, we got some veterans. We're bringing a few transfers. Uh, it's looking a lot different now. So that that offensive line room, I mean, it's night and day compared to what it was when Lincoln Riley took over, right? When the end of the Clay Helton era to now, what the offensive line room looks like is just, it's, yeah. There's not dudes that shouldn't be there. They're all Everyone that's there should be there. And uh, I think you need that, you know, they just weren't able to like rely on all oh, that, that redshirt sophomore now is going to come in and play like, nope, he's not. he shouldn't have been there to begin with a lot of that time. 11 picks until the 10th round is over. Oh, wow. Okay. So let us know. We at least have to go until the end of this draft. Yeah, we will. Um, Dante Williams put it. I think they looked like the DBs all did paintball. Did you see this? I think, Chris? I think it was DBs and like safeties and. I think linebackers were in there too because Chris Thompson is in there and I think okay. Bryson Shaw is in there as well. Um so I think it might have just been like a bunch of a bunch just of defensive uh, back defensive seven guys. guys. Yeah, yeah, back seven guys because while the cornerback room is bigger, I think you need more guys to have more fun doing is this paintball or airsoft? And maybe it's air I don't know. I'm not I've never like done it, either. It kind of looks like but... airsoft. Paintball's fun. You seem like you would have fun at paintball. I would like paintball, I think. Shout out if anybody in the chat has done paintball. It's super fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just team bonding over the uh, summer before camp goes. That's pretty cool. And one of the other DB things is like, I think they post, someone had a thread on the peristyle about sticks and being sticks no longer. Seeing some of the bodies that you've seen through the Benny Wiley videos, anyone sort of standing out to you, Chris? I know, it, you know, Kalen Bullock looks like, Kind of a different player, but what, any other guys? I think there? it's still Jamil Muhammad for me because he's posted some of those uh, crazy like uh, squat uh, videos, and he's like doing it with a resistance band. And then Solomon Burr was like, "You forgot to mention that you did this after your lift, <laughs> like after your depleted energy." And he's still like benching like 550 pounds with a resistance band on. It's just ridiculous how strong that guy is. Yeah. So just feeds more fuel for the Jamil hype. Jamil Muhammad hype train is, excuse me. Let me see where I had Jamil Muhammad. Uh, you know what? I didn't have him high enough. Damn. Cool. Uh, yeah. I had him pretty high. I think I had him the highest out of all of us. Probably. The, yeah. He Look, was... it's a risky pick. You know, you're coming from Georgia State. I don't know what the jump will be like when you go to the power five, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to double down on it. I'm willing to double down with it. Howell in the chat says this is paintball. That is paintball. So okay. That, that was paintball. Yeah. I assumed it was paintball because like airsoft is a little little too intense maybe. A little too intense. Paintball is like just pure fun. Yeah. Um, well, I guess either has their. I think they're fun, right? Uh, we mentioned the sort of recruiting. Eight more uh, picks. Eight more picks. Okay. Uh, USC football recruiting is up to number five. I think Notre Dame's right on their heels, but you're going to see like teams like Alabama that are outside the top five, you know, jump up there. USC's, you know, in for some names, whether well, there's one this weekend that the Trojans didn't get, he ended up going to Alabama, right? 
Xavier Brown, yeah, the four-star cornerback out of modern day. Yeah. Uh, ended up choosing uh, Alabama over USC and Ohio State. And he eliminated Oregon earlier in this process. But, yeah. I mean, that wasn't really that shocker. USC already has five defensive backs. Of DBs, yeah. And they took Braylon Connolly, Conley excuse me, uh, earlier last week. So it was kind of a writing on the wall that you know they didn't feel confident about Zabian. And lo and behold, he chooses Alabama. Yeah. A little bit of lull, though. Like, there's a, what, a couple of weeks, there's another commitment coming up, like the 23rd, I believe. Kingston Villiama Asa, yes, he will make his commitment on July 23rd. Four-star linebacker out of St. John Bosco, choosing between USC, Ohio State, and uh, Notre Dame. And obviously, he's the like priority linebacker target for the Trojans. So, a couple more weeks of waiting for USC fans. This has been a long recruitment. Yeah, so it was a crazy June, you know, going from number 57 in the country to number five. You know, okay, now you got a good class. Try to finish it off, keep it together, uh, build on a little bit more. But it's a legit, you know, top five recruiting class right now, which is great uh, for USC. And only 17 commitments. So um, stay tuned for that. Of course, Gerard and Chris have all that going. Are you going to do a composite two-star recruits podcast this week? Or I don't know. There's not a lot going not on. A lot I think, much, I right? think uh, you'd have to do like an hour show. I think which... Gerard wants a little bit of a break. Yeah. So you you're going to get people might... mad at me in my show because you're not doing your show later. Hey, I did my show last week. You did. Yeah. So come on now. Uh, so, so yeah, there's not a lot going on. It's a dead period. So give them a break uh, doing that. Also, what you know, you're 18k, right? Like you, sure. You're now over 20k, but your tattoo says 10 slash 18, whatever it is. Um, be debated forever. Twitter's sort of like going downhill, I guess you could say. There's a lot of people upset with Twitter. Um, I was fine with everything until he screwed with TweetDeck. Which <laughs> oh, this is your TweetDeck. I use TweetDeck all the time, and they changed it. And now apparently you're going to need to be a, a a paying member to use TweetDeck after the first 30 days. And I don't even like the new TweetDeck. Like I could have multiple because I have multiple Twitter accounts like the Peristyle and like a US football. I could have all those in my one TweetDeck and I could like retweet from one of them. Like if I'm le- looking at my feed and now you have to like switch to, you know, which TweetDeck you're using to the account. And I uh, don't really like that. I don't like the look of it. I just, I liked what I had before. Grumpy old man yelling at clouds just to go off of that. Um, so, yeah. And then you're going to have to pay for it anyway. So I was not into like, okay, the demise of Twitter. Now I'm sort of like, okay, I'm not, it, for what I use it for, and I use TweetDeck all the time, especially when I'm at a game and there's, I can scan things that are going on and other games and like other Pac-12 things, soon to be other Big Ten things. Um and I won't be able to do that anymore. So that kind of makes me mad. And then we both started a Threads account, right? You started one? I haven't started one. You haven't started one? Oh, I thought you did. No, I did. I'm, I will. I just haven't gotten around to do it. I did one for like the Peristyle, which is our um, Instagram. So it's tied to your Instagram account. So we have the Peristyle, which is like the uscfootball.com Instagram. So I didn't do my personal Instagram. I did the Peristyle. And very similar. Um I haven't used it very much, but I've you know retweeted some things or posted some of our content out there. But what are your thoughts? Since you have a tattoo based on this app that a lot of people are upset with, I wanted to get Chris's thoughts on all this. Is this an actual topic on the thing? You wanted to take down 
Twitter? I wanted to get your thoughts since you have it. I, I mean... Hal says inside Troy on threads. No, it's the peristyle on threads. I mean, I, Twitter is very clearly like going in this direction. So, I mean, yes, I worked very hard to get this tattooed on my body. And now it's probably going to be... <laughs> obsolete in the within the next i don't know two years something like that maybe what if you get sooner? threads ten thousand threads you can yeah. just like point to the tattoo got it i don't yeah maybe you look at it you don't like if you know you know it's like what it's tied to but most people wouldn't suspect what it's tied to it doesn't say so. twitter on it right it doesn't say twitter you know it's it's fine i i am i'm not like uh freaking out about the idea of twitter imploding and this tattoo being a a uh a relic to a uh, a social media site because it's bigger than that, Ryan. It's bigger than that. I It's one of those things where you just get used to using Twitter. And to be fair, I probably use it more than I need to. It be, For us in the sports, like writing world, um, it's just, that's like the go-to place. So if you're going to like write a story, you tweet about it and we have great message boards and we get all kinds of comments on there. But in for like the out in the real world, like the comments I get about our shows or whatever seem to be on Twitter. That was like always like my first, you know, line to go to after everything at uscfootball.com. And, you know, people used Friendster back in the day and it died or, or MySpace. Like those things kind of come and go. But Twitter seems like more self-inflicted wounds. And maybe there's some master plan that everyone's going to keep using it again. But like, I feel like you're upsetting your core users with the changes that are are being made. And I don't know, maybe it, it seems like the push is just to get everyone to sign up and, and pay to get the blue check mark. And I don't know, I never thought I would. Maybe I would just to do the tweet tech stuff. But I, like I said, I don't even like the new tweet tech. I don't think I'd pay for that. I'd pay for the old one more maybe. But yeah, it's it's just weird. And I don't I mean a lot of our the one thing you learn, Chris and everyone out there, we create a lot of content. We're, you know, we're on all these different platforms, like uscfootball.com, stuff's going up on our front page. We have users that are on our message board all day long and never even look at the front page. They'll see a link to your story in the peristyle. And instead of going to the front page to read it, they read it from the message board. There's other people that never go to the message board and they're just, they want to look on the front page and see which stories are coming through. We have podcast listeners that don't read your stories. Like I don't go to your site, but I listen to your podcast for a week. And we have YouTube watchers that are like, I consume your content on YouTube, but I don't listen to the podcast, but I go to your website sometimes. There's just a lot of ways that people consume our content. And some of them are just like kind of diehard Twitter followers that will you know, read some of your stuff sometimes, but they're really following you on that platform. And you just kind of don't assume it's going to, I guess, go away. And I'm not, I don't know if it will, but um, yeah, it's just a, it's a weird situation right now. And maybe it helps my life that I'm like not tweeting as much stuff anymore, you know, like, uh, but it was something that we just kind of did a lot of. It just seemed like in the sports world, that's where people lived, you know, and that was like the live live tweeting during events and all that. It just seemed like that was the the place to be. So I'm not, I'm curious to see what happens. It's different for sure. Old man yells at the sky. Yeah. At the cloud. Uh, by the way, Caleb Williams uh, nominated for uh male sportsman of the year, I believe oh. for the ESPYs. Not that that's like a thing or whatever. Um, how's running through talking points. I just, 
I had some. Hal says, I followed the Peristyle on threads. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm over there. Uh, I'll, I'll tweet mine out. I got to set it up, and then I'll just like uh, okay. get it out there so people can, in case the Twitter implodes. The, the bad thing is like you can't pick your username. It's like tied to your whatever your Instagram name is. So like, well, mine is the same as my Instagram, so I'll be fine. No, you're fine. Like I, you know, inside Troy on Twitter, um, but I don't have that on Instagram. So we just use the Peristyle one. Uh, Harry says LinkedIn is as useless as Twitter. Now I, you know, it's funny having running my own business. I got rid of LinkedIn a long time ago. Like when I was an engineer, like I've almost been doing this full time, 20 years. It started in 2004 is when I quit my engineering job to do this. And LinkedIn was, I was just getting too many emails. And I just got myself off it completely. But I'm now on the USC like reunion committee for like, I was on it five years ago. I'm on it again. And we have to find like, I'm on, you know, we have to try to find like lost alumni. And like the, one of the best ways to do is LinkedIn. So I joined, signed up for LinkedIn again. And there's a lot of people that are like, put uscfootball.com on their LinkedIn, which I didn't even know about. So I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you know, the Keeleys of the world or Dan Weikies, you know, who's, you know, LA Times now. So I had to get on LinkedIn more recently, but I don't like all the emails and stuff they send you. So, um, yeah. All right. That was kind of a, a little side social media, whatever. Why don't we do this? Let's take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to answer some questions. So back in a minute. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy. This is Sandra Herrera from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golazo Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. women's national team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the winter transfer window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download, follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third. That was a lot, Chris. We, we went over an hour for yeah, that. Yeah, what is this, the... Uh composite is this the co- we should beat the, we could do 220 this week and just beat the composite from last week I'd, uh, I'd rather not but yeah we're not gonna do that but i'd rather not um i got a voicemail for you chris okay it's not our buddy eddie but uh it's a different one here we go hey guys first of all tremendous show hey i've been reading uh online all the concerns regarding the trojans and the travel coming up in the big 10 
as someone who has traveled 51 plus weeks a year for the last 23 years on business, I, I just can only shake my head. And my fellow Trojans keep one thing in mind. They will not fly an aircraft smaller than a 757. It's a charter aircraft. That means a bus pulls up to the steps. 20-year-old kids go up steps. They sit down. They eat. They watch a TV show or maybe a movie. They land in a big tent city. A bus pulls up to the steps, and they go to the hotel. All the hand-wringing got time zones. Oh, my God, they're going to the central time zone or the eastern time zone. They're not playing on the moon, people. Take a deep breath. God forbid I actually fly red, out, red eyes at 57 years old to Dulles and do meetings all day. These are 20-year-old kids. Take a deep breath and relax. The Trojans under Lincoln Riley are just fine. Really interested to hear your thoughts on all the travel and all the Henry. Thank you so much. Thomas from Malibu. Thomas in the boo. Malibu. Uh, love it. I agree with what a lot of he, what that he's saying. I think it'll take a little bit to get used to that rhythm of Big Ten travel going from California to Illinois as opposed to California to like Berkeley. You know, that's going to take a yeah. little bit. But for the most part, yeah, I think they'll be they'll be fine. You know, they're not like you said, they're flying charter. They'll have they'll have, uh, you know, things that will take away the uh, a lot of the the issues that, you know, you and I have when we travel to faraway places they will have some of those luxuries yeah uh, it does the 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 jet lag from going from the california to like when i go back from maryland does suck it does get you a little bit so they will have maybe they'll they fly in a little bit early to get used to that but there is some jet lag and going different time zones they'll have to get used to especially when you go all the way to the east coast like we go to penn state or maryland but for the most part yeah i think i think it's a little bit over what's the word over uh like overhyped or something or just yeah i mean i think there is a little bit uh ex- over exaggerated a little bit yeah the i would concerns yeah i think there's legit concerns there you know when seattle has to fly to play um you know cleveland in the nfl the the record for west coast teams going east isn't that great you know but you're talking about four or five trips a year for USC. I think it's one of those things where you just kind of make it happen. They're going to try to, you know, spread it out so you're not going back to back and things like that. Um, so I think for football, it's not as concerning. I think for the other sports, it is. And I don't know how you address that. And so if you care about a lot of the Olympic sports, the non-revenue sports, I think there's a lot more trips involved. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things that you just kind of have to, I mean, I think it's worth it, whatever you're doing. It's going to be a little worse, but some of the trips to the Pacific Northwest aren't very short either. They're just in the same time zone. So that would be the one big difference. But yeah, I, I agree with our friend from Malibu. Uh, let's go to an email from Brett C. in uh, Knoxville, uh, UT land. He says, hey, that Parasol Podcast team. Since the Pac-12 can't get a TV deal at all, will the remaining schools left in the conference just basically turn into the Mountain West Conference? Thanks and fight on from Brett. You're the Pac-12 expert. Okay. So we will have the unofficial deadline is July 21st. That's Pac-12 Media Day. I think if George Klyovkov, the commissioner, does not have a deal or at least something announced before 
all the talk is going to be about packed, the, the Pac-12 media deal and not Caleb Williams and Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix and Utah going for a three-peat and Oregon State on the rise and all these great storylines in the Pac-12 will be ignored because they're only going to focus on this Pac-12 media rights deal. So I think the Pac-12 needs to have something basically in the next 10, 11 days. you got to have something announced. It doesn't need to be signed. Like, turns out the Big Ten deal wasn't really, like, signed, sealed, and delivered, but it was announced. And, like, that's fine. you you got to announce something to get people to not, you know, they'll still talk about it since we only have, like, you know, a week and a half left before this happens. Um, but it's been over a year since USC and UCLA, you know, shocked the college football world and now that they were gone. My gut is that the deal will be okay and that the rest of the, the 10 teams stay around. It doesn't seem like, to me, like expansion is happening right away, especially with San Diego State's, you know, uh, their deadline that where their exit fee doubled from $17 million to $34 million. I don't think San Diego State can really leave at this point and pay that kind of money. So maybe the Pac-10 is happy just staying with the 10 they have and expanding down the road. It's hard to say, but we should know stuff really soon. And I've been saying that for months and months and everyone has, but now you got Pac-12 Media Day coming here. There's like this real thing that's going to happen. You're going to hear from George Klyovkov because he's not talked about this. Like they've ignored this. We've heard from a couple of Pac-12 presidents, uh, like Schultz at uh, Washington State, and I think it's Robin Roberts, the Arizona guy, who's now going to be on their executive uh, team. So it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, will Colorado leave? Will Arizona leave? How's the deal going to be? I mean, it's, it's pretty good drama, but we're just not hearing anything. The messaging for the Pac-12 has been awful. They haven't controlled the narrative. They've let other people control the narrative. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be like Mountain West. Bless you, Chris. Um, Thank you. But... It all comes down to the TV deal. That's the first. There's one domino that has to fall before anything else. It's the TV deal. Because I don't think Colorado, Arizona, everyone's leaving until they find out what happens with the TV deal. So you need that one to happen. But once that one falls, I think a lot of things can happen. So, um, yeah. Should be fun. Any thoughts on that, Chris? No, you carried it all. Okay. Uh Oh, there's a someone. I guess they said, "Don't see him on the roster," but I'm not sure who he was talking about. They don't have the name of the player he was talking about. So Did they describe the player. It says Ryan A or Chris T. Don't see him on the roster. Is that a typo? Hmm. So I'm not sure who they were talking about. Maybe hmm. you put in the subject, and I'll try to look for that uh, in a bit. Let's go to uh, Rich in San Diego. He says, "Gents, thanks for providing yet another forum to talk USC football." Do you know what goes into House of Victory uh, when they represent and sign an athlete? The last football player I saw was Lake McCree. They've signed a bunch of guys since then. Why wouldn't everybody want to sign with them for NIL? And what's your take on San Diego State's situation? It reeks of the Pac-12 doing Pac-12 things, Rich in San Diego. Um, do you want to – so I think they've signed over 200 athletes, Chris. There's a bunch. Um, See, seems like there's new ones every week. Yeah. And I don't know if everyone's being offered because it's like they're they're new. So I feel like, you know, if you're like a fourth string walk-on punter, like they're probably not looking to sign you. They're being you. selective. Yeah, I think they're being a little more selective with the signees. I don't really know in great detail 
what that kind of amounts to. I mean, I've talked to a couple players, uh, parents about, you know, House of Victory and, you know, what it's like, but I don't feel comfortable like talking about it on air. So I, I can't really speak to like, not, I, I can't really speak to like what, what goes on or how the process works or like how much money they're getting uh, through it or like what their obligations are. Stuff like that. I don't really have all the details about, you know, what a signed House of Victory player has to do or what their responsibilities are. Do they get the money up front or do they go it after several months or like, I don't really know all those things. So, I mean, maybe that's something Ryan is pretty good with the House of Victory. Maybe there's an interview there where they can kind of give some backdrop on what, you know, a House of Victory signed athlete does or like what the what the process is like of getting those guys signed to house of victory yeah and it's so i there doesn't seem like to be a good reason to not sign um it's mostly about this isn't like they you sign a contract and they just give you a bag of money this is like okay so the house of victory event last month with the qbu all the usc players that went there uh current players Part of their agreement, they were all signed with House of Victory. They got to uh, get compensated for showing up at this event. The one that's coming up Friday, it's the big man event. So there's a bunch of offensive linemen. So those guys are going to get a check for showing up. And for whatever, that you know, it might have been in their initial contract. Like, okay, there's going to be a big man event here. There's going to be whatever. We're going to Children's Hospital this day. You got to go to that. So there's like charitable work. There's um, promotional kind of work. And you basically have to show up to these events to get, you know, and to get compensated. And um, I think Lindsey Godley talked about this, the women's basketball coach, you know, whatever players had signed. And it, it didn't necessarily have to be for a ton of money, but there was going to be compensation for doing some things that aren't, you know, super taxing. Uh, that's kind of the basics of sort of what's behind it. Um San Diego State, I don't know. I think San Diego State's done a really good job. I mean, if you look at the last, I think it's the last 12 years combining football and basketball, uh, like win percentage, they're like number two behind Ohio State. Like it's crazy how good, and they obviously they went and run, you know, we're in the national championship game last year for basketball. But the letter that they sent to the Mountain West seemed to be a bit of a screw up because you put this in writing and now the Mountain West is saying, you know, you're not, we took it as you were leaving. So now you're out. And if the PAC 12 can't take you, um, that you owe your exit fee, they're not getting paid their, um, media rights distribution. It was supposed to be like $6 million. They're like the Mount West is withholding that. So I don't know, maybe this works out in their favor that they sort of like get kicked out of the Mountain West. And then the PAC 12 is ready to sign them after the deadline. So they still get the earlier, Exit fee of seventeen million instead of thirty-four million later on. I don't know, um, but it's. I think Sanders State's done a really good job with this, except that letter where they said uh, we want out. And who knows? Maybe that's was the plan all along. They get kicked out, and they could fight their way back in if nobody takes them. And it doesn't look like the Big Twelve is looking to take them right now. Uh, but if the Pac-12 doesn't get their act together and can't take San Diego State, it seems like there's a pretty easy path for San Diego State to get back. But I don't know, just my thoughts there. Um, the other question, it was about Bear Alexander. Uh, you don't see him on the roster? Yeah, he was, he's was. he been out there. I don't know why. So I they, guess there they, was haven't, a, they haven't updated the 
the roster yet. Yeah, I think there was people talking about it in the Peristyle, and that's where that came from. But um, yeah, that was just Peristyle talk. That wasn't. Uh, yeah, they haven't updated so. the roster yet. So uh, Mike also was talking about um, Colin Mobley. He says uh, so. He went on the portal, but then did he come back? It looks like he you know came back from the portal. And he mentioned the scholarship distribution chart. I need to check. I don't even know if I have him on there anymore. Um, any? Do we know any status on uh, Colin Mobley, Chris? That's from Mike. Uh, no, other than I'm getting Colin Mobley confused with Kobe Pepe in terms of his name. Uh, Colin Mobley did pull his name out of the portal. Yeah. So I think he's on the roster. Okay, so we'll we'll double check that. I think I have him still off of my distribution chart. I'm looking at it right now. Um, so that's something, yeah. So we should be getting a roster in the next, you know, few weeks. Um, there were some questions about like when fall camp is. We don't know the exact date, um, but it will be, um, you know, the end of July at some point. So. When that happens, we will get a roster and we can kind of update the chart. Um, I think I also haven't taken Latrell McCutcheon off yet, so my apologies. Yeah, well, Colin Mobley isn't listed on the uh, 2023. He was not on the spring roster. He wasn't on the spring roster because I think he went in the portal, but then. But, he, his, but his name is listed as will look for playing time. He has a 2023 bio. But not so. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to be on the roster for 2023. But again, um, he did enter a portal, didn't retract his name. I don't think he re-entered the portal. But again, maybe it's a process situation. We'll have to see as we get closer to fall camp. Yeah, we'll check that out. We should know in the next few weeks, uh, roster-wise and stuff. I don't know if they'll have. They used to give you like the fall um, media guide at Pac-12 Media Day. Now everything's – they don't do all those printing things anymore. It's mostly just electronic. So they might have it uh, in a week and a half or something. Or we might have to wait a little closer to uh, fall camp. Um, sorry, I'm just sending this question over to Shotgun. There was a basketball question that I don't really know much about, so I'm going to send that over to Shotgun. He can do it when he does a show. Next, uh, we do have a few questions from – uh, the YouTube chat. So I'll put those up there and we'll get you out of here. Adrian says, uh, just checked in any AD updates. So he's talking about the athletic director search. Um, I've not heard anything recently. Yeah. It's been pretty quiet, which good thing. Um, I would say it's not something to worry about. Like, I don't think, I think USC will, you know, they, the athletic department is in a much better place than it was in 2019 when Mike Bone took over. Um, I think they're gonna get somebody good. They're gonna get a sitting Pac-12. I mean, a sitting Power Five athletic director. They're not gonna go find like Lin Swan from somebody's basement in Pennsylvania. So yeah, I think you'll be all right. But they're keeping things pretty quiet. I think they might take take a little bit of time in uh, in making this decision because it's a very you know it's a very important decision. Obviously, um, Harry's been very active in the chat. He says, "Question: Most likely to earn the number fifty-five." Mason Cobb or Tackett Curtis? Probably Tackett because Mason Cobb's only here for one more year. Yeah. And I think he's settled in on a 13 number. So 
I would say Tackett Curtis because he has more time. Okay. I would I think they would agree with that one if anyone gets it. Tamale Tom, do you think this is Corey Foreman's last year? Oh, that's a good question. What is he? He's a junior. I think it's a true junior. True junior, yeah. Nah, I mean, I think he'll stick around. Well, if you're if you're interpreting that question as a transfer portal question, like he plays one more year and then seeks off, heads off to uh, another school or tries his luck in another school, I would say that's potentially yes. I mean, any player could at any moment leave for the transfer portal, and he is a former you know number one overall player. Has inconsistent results at USC. If that continues, yeah, I could see him maybe wanting to put his name in the portal, see what's out there. So, yeah, I think there's a chance this could be his last year, whether that's a uh, transfer portal situation or, you know, moving on to something else. Nice. Oh, but you you didn't mention it on the show, right? It was... uh... Deuce Robinson was not drafted. Yeah, he was not drafted in the top. 10 rounds of the MLB draft, 11 through 20 will conclude tomorrow. So I think there's a good chance he's going to get picked within those those rounds. So we'll just have to see where. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tomorrow Tom also wants to know, when is the Cilantro Boy merch coming? Yeah, I, I mentioned that on the, uh, on the ill-fated live show. So I don't know if, how many people like saw that. But yeah, I did mention Everyone that. Everyone heard I, it. You could listen to the show. I, I uh, I do have two merch drops I want to do. I just have to finish setting up the uh, the store so you can go in and you know just like so it's like an all automated process. So it'll just go to the printer and they'll print it and send it to you. So get that all set up. So I'm hoping by the end of this month we'll have that in place so you can, if you want, buy some uh, composite merch. Nice. We got two more touchdown USC. Do you think the Pac-12 will announce? Completed media deal on media day. Oh. So I thought about this. I think if you announce, like, so what usually happens at media day, and Pac-12 is one of the only conferences, the only Power Five conference for sure, to have a single media day. And this one's in Vegas, so they're they're not doing LA anymore. Um, they would When they did LA, you'd get the most media because there was more media covering USC and UCLA than anybody else. You'd get the more, most reporters there. Curious to see who shows up uh, for Vegas. Um, but I think the, the Pac-12 is strong this year. I think a lot of people are going to come for the first year in Vegas. But it is only one day. And usually the first guy, you know, person to speak out of the gate is the commissioner. And sometimes they would have, like, you know, one of the higher-ups. It was Larry Scott, you know, before. And then you might have someone else. Last year was crazy because you had – or was it last year or the year before? Um, why am I blanking? Oh, Nick Rolovich. Uh, that was two years ago. Nick Rolovich um, wasn't there in person because he wouldn't get the COVID shot. So he wasn't allowed to attend. Like that was a crazy one. Uh, that was, I think that was Klyovkov's first one. If I'm not, they're all kind of mixing together right now. But anyway, he would speak and maybe some other executive about something about officiating or whatever. And then they would do, basically they just break out and it's like a half an hour for each team so say it's like Oregon State's first and you would have Jonathan Smith up at like the main stage and they'd have like two side stages where two different players would come and you could bop around and, and talk to each one of them, you know, ask questions, whatever you want. And then 
even the day before they would have uh, like a radio row. They, during the day they would radio row. So like if you finished your main room, then, you know, Jonathan Smith and his crew would have to go kind of hit a bunch of radio booths in a row. Anyone that was inter- interested in uh, interviewing him for different radio shows that cover the Pac-12 from all the different markets. So all that kind of stuff was going on at the same time. But usually like the opening remarks are sort of like kind of saying what happened last year. Like, you know, they're going to be, you know, he'll be like, we have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner in the conference. We have, you know, uh, Michael Penix who finished 10th in the Heisman and both like we have all these, whatever the stuff and like five ranked teams from last year. So you're sort of touting the football success from the year before. If you were this focused on, Oh, by the way, and here's our media rights deal. Like, I feel like this is something you would need to the Pac-12 put out in an announcement like the day before or, you know, a few days before. And then Klyovkov could kind of address it at the, the start. I think to make it like if you announce the the makings, it probably wouldn't be a signed deal, but the makings of the deal or the agreed upon deal that morning, I think it just kind of takes everything else away like now you have to kind of consume that and then or you really want to talk to um you know michael Penix about what you know, like i know like everyone's going to be worried about the media deal so i feel like the pac-12 needs to get this done a couple di- my thoughts a couple days before media day and then they can discuss it on media day as opposed to announcing on media day where it just takes over and you don't really care about the teams and they're really strong teams in the pac-12 it's going to be a really good year in the conference so I don't think you want to take away from that. But the Pac-12 has been known to do really dumb things for a very long time. So I wouldn't put it past them. But for me, I'd rather not announce it on media day. But I'd rather, I don't want you to announce it after media day either. Like if you don't have anything for media day, now it's just more speculative stuff. And everyone's just going to be asking questions all the time. Thoughts, Chris? Nope. Uh, one last one, Don L. Uh, do you think the Pac-12 gave USC an early bye weekend to try and stick it to them for leaving? No. Yeah, I don't think so either. I Conspiracy theories are fun, but I would just lean towards no. Yeah. I'd, we've seen this happen before. If USC and UCLA stuck around, you got rid of divisions, the schedule would be different. Like right now, it's still the the schedule still based on the divisions, and they weren't going to change that. I mean, it just makes sense, you know. So you still have the early Stanford game, just made it hard. And I talked to people in the athletic department who told me that the Pac-12 was very um, accommodating, and I put stuff like this in the war room like a while back about the schedule, and this was really like the best option you came up with. The last time. USC won the Pac-12, if I'm not mistaken. They did have that vibe going into the Pac-12 championship game against Stanford, right? And and that was a Clay Helton win. Ended up going to the Cotton Bowl that year. So if you're going to have a good year and make it to the Pac-12 championship game, I don't mind the long stretch, especially the second half of the season is tough. Getting that bye before Pac-12 championship game and going to Vegas, I think that's a, that could be a benefit even, you know? So... If you're confident enough, but if you lose two or three games down the stretch because of, well, we just got banged up and it was too long, you know, then you're not going to be able to take advantage of that bye. I prefer to have the bye stretched out longer just because, or further in the season, just because you have a brutal schedule on the back half. 
Yeah. And any rest is good rest, especially when you have that coming up. So, I mean, I don't think they screwed him over, but I would prefer the bye. If I was the coach, more middle of the season than early in the season. Yeah, looking at the schedule, knowing what you know about the teams, an ideal bye would be like week eight maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like after, what, Notre Dame and uh, maybe Oregon? I don't know, but like – and then you get a break, and then you can play like the Washingtons and, and UCLA and that, stuff, that kind of stuff. Um, I feel like that would be better. But, you know, you could get through that. And I think you're 11-1. and one, You're making it to the championship game. You have a bye week before the championship game. The championship game is very important. They didn't win it last year. You want to win it this year if you make it. And then, you know, and you can be in the college football playoffs. So I think it could work out well. But you got to, you gotta, you know, there's going to be a tough stretch that you have to get through. Stay healthy and all that. But if you do, you're in the top two. Now you're set up better than whoever you're going to play because you have a bye and they'll be playing some rivalry game. You know, if it's Oregon playing Oregon State, who beat the hell out of them last year just by running the ball 20 times in a row. Um, you know, Utah probably not as tough because they're going to play like Colorado, I think. so, Or maybe I don't know when that game is, but. All right. Well, thank you for all the questions and thanks for tuning in and everyone that was watching the stream live. Um, cool. Yeah, we had yeah, like 180 something people in there. That's not bad. Not bad. Um, for like a Monday where we normally do the show like this, we'll get on a regular schedule and stuff too. We don't know the Pac-12, I mean the USC fall camp schedule. So that might impact things depending on when their Tuesday practices are. But we'll probably keep doing our show on Tuesdays like noon that works for Chris, works for me most of the time. So I think we'll do that uh, unless the you know fall camp schedule changes any of that. But we'll keep you guys updated on what's going on. But this was sort of a slow week, even though we talked for a really long time because we got the, you know, the, the content that we talked about with the most important Trojans. But going forward, you know, next week, Pac-12 Media Day. Uh, and after that will be fall camp. So there will be a lot of stuff going on. Um, but, yeah, great stuff. That's Chris Trevino. I am. We got to do our screen grab. Oh, what's our screen grab? What do you want to do? Yelling at the clouds. I like it. Okay. For Chris Trevino, I am Ryan Abraham. If you're listening to the podcast, that's just us (laughs) posing so we can have a good screen grab for YouTube. Because otherwise I pick one where Chris's mouth is agape and he doesn't like it. I must control how I look. Yes. Uh, Otherwise it'll be a disaster. But thank you for the YouTube listeners. Thank you for the... Podcast listeners, hope you guys enjoyed the show. Make sure you check out uscfootball.com for tons of content while we're not doing a show. And we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 
If you want to win your fantasy football league, it starts right now. The offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition. We'll help you win your league on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, part of CBS Sports Podcast Network. Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found.